Welcome to Alphabet Fight, your encyclopedic journey through the Marvel Universe, where we learn about all the characters you know and love and have gotten along the way. I'm your temporary host, Jordan, and with me today is a man whose head of hair does not stop growing, Kendall. <laughs> Are we talking about Medusa? No, but we'll... we'll it's it's another hairy fellow. It, we'll, get, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> Uh, today we're talking about Master Menace. Have you ever heard of Master Menace? No, that sounds like a made-up name. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sorry. I almost said like, well, every name's made up. <laughs> That's no, I've, I've. This is my. This is my little. Uh, my thing that I just realized has started annoying me. Yeah. So, so uh, we're at the point with superhero adaptations that they're making adaptations of all of the deconstructions of superheroes that oh. came out in the early 2000s. Oh yeah. Um and I was just watching this is this isn't early 2000s this is actually 2013 but uh I was just watching the Netflix show Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah. And like you know the 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 main character the main superhero's name is uh uh what's his what's his name a utopian and the uh and his wife is lady liberty and like like just just these like intentionally generic superhero names like it's they're trying to it's like they're trying to make them sound bad and they're succeeding <laughs> uh so anyways let me give you an image of master menace he he's got some hair. Yeah. Um yeah, he looks like he's got like a Boba Fett helmet and uh but he's got it off and he's yeah, got lots of beard probably cuz he wears that helmet. He doesn't worry about the grooming the beard. Uh he's got shoulder pads and a big M and some boots and a yellow jacket or a yellow cape. It's, I also stuff. like how his his belt also kind of forms an M too, so he actually does have MM on his on him, like mm. like for Master Menace. Yeah, true, true. All right, so let me go through his stats here. His real name is Emil Emil Burbank, and his occupation is Conqueror Scientist. I love when villains are just like would be Conqueror or Conquer, because apparently you can just do that as a job. <laughs> uh, identity publicly known on the alternate earth of the squadron supreme so this should give you a little clue of where we're going with this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, legal status unrevealed possesses a criminal record other aliases none known place of birth an unrevealed location in the earth of the squadron supreme uh, I also would like to point out like in the 89 update at this point they haven't they hadn't formally imposed the you know, Earth 616 or Earth 712 or all the numbering system. So it still was kind of called like either Earth S or alternate Earth or the Earth of so-and-so. And, -so. and okay. the Marvel Universe was called the mainstream Earth. 
So there's going to be times when the, the uh, copy here says mainstream Earth, and it's just referring to Earth 616. So I'm going to say my favorite thing about the squad about or my favorite Squadron Supreme moment, because I, I don't know yeah. a lot about the Squadron Supreme, <laughs> uh, but um, I was reading uh, the most recent Avengers run, uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers, Avengers run, and... Mm-hmm. There's a squadron supreme, and the squadron supreme right now are just in the six one six universe. And uh, it described the squadron supreme as Washington D.C.'s greatest heroes. Yeah, it was like Washington D.C.'s greatest heroes. You know, (laughs) oh, oh, because they're all because they're all analogs of D.C. characters. (laughs) It took Um, me a moment, and then you pointed it out. Oh, (laughs) yeah, 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 and. uh, that's yeah, that's good. I, that's good. I, I I thought it was I thought it was very clever. Um, did not yeah. I, I, and I kind of thought that maybe that was, and it might be that there's that that's a joke that had been made in the past. But uh, um, they've leaned into it a lot of times. And uh, I'll be honest, Master Menace is actually has a bit of that too. Like they leaned into it being like, oh, this is a Marvel's version of it, or our pastiche, or our humoring parodies, or uh-huh. or whatever, and. Like I said, when we get when we get into it, you, you'll you'll see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, his known relatives are L.L. Burbank, brother. His group affiliation is none, but he was a former ally of Nighthawk's Redeemers. Base of operations is various secret bases on the Earth of the Squadron Supreme, and his first appearance as just regular old, uh, you know, Emil Burbank was Thor number two eighty. Uh, let me get you a copy of that because. It's actually kind of a nice Thor. That was published in 1979, February. That's Hyperion thundering, punching Thor. Yep. And oh, I, he actually says that he's Hyperion. Yeah. I noticed, I knew that that was Hyperion <laughs> without reading the word. Yes, and uh, <laughs> the title of that comic actually was called Crisis on Twin Earths. So, yeah, they they knew what they were doing mm-hmm. with Hyperion mm-hmm. and them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the other thing is I didn't. Re- I had until recently I hadn't realized that the Squadron Supreme really went that they were that they were that old. Yeah, yeah. It's it still surprises me sometimes that you know they've been around that long because they kind of feel like I don't know. They kind of feel like a like a like they should be like a nineties like uh, something that I don't know. They feel very nineties to me. Yeah, um, you think they're like this is their '90s t- Marvel's '90s take on Superman and stuff, kind of thing. Like, right, is that right? right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, like kind of extra edgy. But it was their '90s take in the 1960s. So, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, also, it mentions that he appeared in his battle armor as like Master Menace, specifically in Squadron Supreme number seven, which. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll put. I'll be sure to put the co- the cover on the on the website, but it's not thing too much other than just Hyperion like telling someone to die. Mm. So it's 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 uh it's what it is, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so history. Emil Burbank, alias Master Menace, is the former criminal mastermind of the alternate Earth on which the team of superhuman champions known as the Squadron Supreme originated. Burbank's greatest and most frequent nemesis was Hyperion, a member of the Squadron. 
In his first recorded appearance, Bergman contended that their anemone began when Hyperion's atomic vision somehow altered Burbank's hormones so that since then, Burbank's hair was grown at an unusually rapid rate. It seems unlikely that the man of Burbank's great intellect and formidable personality would base a lifelong anemone toward Hyperion on such an incident. Moreover, surely a hormonal disturbance would cause all of Burbank's body hair to grow at a rapid, rapid rate, not simply the hair on his head, yet there is no evidence that it does so. And <laughs> as I said, this is very blatantly a wink-wink nudge-nudge, because... Master Menace is supposed to be Hyperion's Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah. So so he, instead <laughs> of having no hair, he has all of the hair. Yeah, and instead of, like, Superman... Like, what, what, what issue of Superman was it where they showed, like, he did an accident that caused Lex Luthor to lose all his hair? Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't know. It was, that, like, some, it was some, like, golden age, like, odd random yeah. comic that, that that was... And that was, like, a running joke. Like, it wasn't... It was like one of those really random ones, and so they just kind of make this is supposed to be a parody of that, that that simple thing that apparently uh, happened. <laughs> so yeah, they really lean into it at times, <laughs> and then and now they try to explain it too. That's that's the best part here. Listen, it has been suggested that in his first recorded appearance, Burbank was recovering from a nervous breakdown, and that therefore his explanation of the origin of his hatred for Harper. Perion may simply be a fantasy he concocted. <laughs> Other words, after that, they probably never used that little uh, reason for why he hated Hyperion ever again. Certainly, Burbank's behavior in this, this first appearance is not in keeping with his later recorded activity. In this first documented appearance, Burbank appeared on the set of a film biography of Hyperion, being directed by his brother L.L. Burbank, raving that no one would leave the place alive. Burbank wore no armor and seemingly carried only one weapon, a handgun, which he fired ineffectively at the man he believed to believe it, believed to be his archenemy. In fact, however, this Hyperion was actually a criminal from mainstream Earth who was secretly impersonating his squadron's supreme double. So it was a super-secret, evil Hyperion. <laughs> the criminal Hyperion confided his true identity to Burbank, and together they laid plans to destroy the heroic Hyperion using a robot Burbank had invented. The robot was defeated by Thor, the Asgardian god from mainstream Earth, and the heroic Hyperion overcame his criminal counterpart. It's unclear whether or not Burbank was captured on this occasion. Years later, the alien Overmind and the demonic creature Null the Living Darkness took control of the squadron's Earth. Following their defeat, Burbank, who now called himself Master Menace and wore a weapon-laden battle suit, spent several months conquering the Middle East. He then discovered that the Squadron Supreme had assumed control of the United States in an attempt to solve the nation's many problems in the aftermath of its recent takeover by Null. The, uh, I think that's the John Byrne, that's including the John Byrne run with, like, the Utopia program and all that. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, 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 Squadron that really sounds like something that would have happened in the... In the nineties or the yeah. two th- or the early two thousands or something. That sounds like yeah, something that happened that, like Ultimate the, Comics. Yeah, but that's the funny thing is that they did this uh I think this was in yeah. the seventies. Yeah. Uh, where we're basically like, you know, de- the world was devastated and the squadron was like, We're we're gonna take take uh, control of everything because we know best kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All in all in good intentions, but then they accidentally did a fascism. <laughs> uh yeah, you know, it happens. <laughs> uh, Master Menace saw the squadron's control of the United States as a particular threat to his own plans for world domination. Moreover, the squadron's member, uh, 
Squadron member Tom Thumb, the only known rival of Master Menace in Scientific Genius, had invented a behavior modification device which the Squadron was utilizing to render convicted criminals incommi- incapable of committing further crimes. Yeah, this is this is the one of the parts of the Utopia program that are is really bad. They literally mm. would take away the will of criminals to do criminal stuff. Like, they used machines to manipulate their behaviors. Mm, mm. Fearing they would thus lose their free will if captured, three costume criminals, Remnant the, the Mink and Pinball, sought refuge at one of Master Menace's bases of operations. Menace, Menace granted their request, but later they asked him to send them to Mainstream Earth, where they hoped to be safe from pursuit by the squadron. Again, Menace acceded to their wishes, although he himself was determined to remain on his native Earth and to overthrow the squadron. Subsequently, Nighthawk, a squadron member who resigned from the team in opposition to their takeover of America, yeah, he, he was the one who's like, man, maybe we shouldn't be forcing mm. people like this. Night- Nighthawk is the Batman, right? Yes, yes. Himself Makes journeyed sense. to Main Street Earth to seek help from, his, from its superheroes in overthrowing the squadron. There he found his old foes, Remnant, the Mink, and Pinball, who agreed to return to their native Earth and help him against the squadron. These three thus became the first member of Nighthawk's new team of costume opponents to the squadron's dictatorship, the Redeemers. Uh, Returning to his own Earth, Nighthawk attempted to recruit Master Menace himself as an ally, but Menace declined, contending that he preferred to operate on his own. Menace then found the criminal Hyperion entrapped within an other dimensional limbo and freed him. Menace renewed his alliance with the criminal Hyperion, and together they carried out a plan by which Menace projected the heroic Hyperion into another dimension, and the criminal Hyperion took his place, feigning amnesia. They, I love how they keep double sw- like switching back and forth between the criminal Hyperion and stuff like that. It's so uh, so that's really interesting. That's really interesting to me that they have like a history of switching him back and forth. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like the modern incarnations of of Hyperion that I've that I've read, uh, and I haven't read a lot, but a lot of times there is like like there's amnesia or there's mind control involved. Like yeah. I think I think He's- that the current it might be that the current version is like they they have he has like fake memories or something. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's kind of I'm a running sure. thing that he's been, I think, that he's been very susceptible to manip- like m- mental manipulation like that. Mm-hmm. Like, how, like how Superman is uh, very susceptible to magic. He is, his mind's his greatest weakness. Yeah. And, uh, and how bad writers are susceptible to, giving, to having people mind control Superman. Yep. <laughs> I, that's, that's like my least, like, if there's one, like, Superman like story that I've read a bunch of times that is the one that I like the least. It is Superman getting mind controlled. Like that's just, that's just a hundred percent. The writer being like, we don't know what to do with this character, but Hyperion is a little different because he's not Superman. Like, no, he's, he's... you know, and that's with a, with a capital N, <laughs> you, you know, not a capital N, not Superman. Like that's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of deconstructions. He's, you know, he's probably one of the first characters that's a deconstruction or a reaction to um, Superman. I don't know. Maybe there were. Yeah. People have, people no, have probably I think, been deconstructing I think he really the superhero genre for a long time. So I, f- I think, 
I I might be wrong, and this is this, but I think uh, Watchmen like was slightly like you know like the the idea of deconstructing was slightly inspired by the uh, John Byrne Squadron run. Like mm. he Warren Ellis wanted to do his a grander take on it, and Alan Moore, uh, or sorry, yeah, <laughs> Alan Moore, sorry. <laughs> Warren, Warren Ellis is a that would be a wrong one, person wrong to... one. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> no, but that's okay. That's I could okay. I could be wrong. Uh, he because I don't think Alan Moore ever said directly, uh-huh. like you know, Sparks was like, oh yeah, I read Squadron Supreme. I liked how it did, but I, th- but it definitely came before, and uh, and it definitely did like it was like one of the right. very first ones to do it. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I just I just never when it comes to meta stuff, like I feel like we always assume that meta things have only been around for the last however many years yeah. and then you see and then you see a piece of media from the 70s or or before that and you realize that people have have things have been, you know, re- self-referential in meta forever. You know, I always think yeah. back to uh the Superman there's a moment in the uh, the the Superman movie, the Superman, the one that's called Superman, <laughs> uh, 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 Richard Donner. I couldn't remember his name. Uh, Christopher Reeve, where uh, he goes to change in his phone booth, but it's the 70s, so they don't have phone booths anymore. <laughs> like he has to change at like a at like a payphone, like a little payphone cubicle, like <laughs> like like where he's just got like the two little little things and and uh, yeah. And there's a couple other things in that movie that are su- that are super meta that are like comment commenting on like Superman may- might be an outdated character because he's from the you know he's a c- character f- at that point he was a character that was 40 years old. Yeah. Uh, so back anyways back to the plan with the fake uh, Hyperion. Through this plan, Menace hoped to destroy the Squadron from within. However, the criminal Hyperion became enamored of another member of the squadron, Power Princess, and turned against Menace. Menace was forced to flee into the same other dimensional limbo into which he had exiled the heroic Hyperion. The latter found Menace there, and together they succeeded in returning to their own Earth. The squadron's Hyperion then sought sought out and destroyed his criminal counterpart in battle. Um, Point of note, I believe in that fight is where the main Hyperion lost his vision. Like that was a, a brutal fight that okay. he, not only did he atomize him, but it burned out his eyes. Like he could still do his his vision or his like atomic vision thing, but he no longer had like you know the eyes, his eyes there. So he couldn't he couldn't aim. He couldn't see without uh, special glasses, uh, or, yeah. or or help. That's 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 like the weirdest superpower I've ever heard of. Someone I, who can't see but can shoot lasers out of their eyes. I'm not. I'm not sure if if he could still use it though. I, I like because okay. I know he definitely couldn't see anymore. It might have been he literally just burned out his atomic vision and it destroyed mm. his eyes in the process. Right. 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 Still, if that's not the case, then I just have I have a million dollar idea for a superhero. <laughs> Uh, Menace's failure led him to reconsider and accept Nighthawk's offer of alliance. Nighthawk's Redeemer succeeded in stealing a behavior modification device for Menace's inspection, and as a result, Menace was able to create an invention that could undo the behavior modification machine's effects. 
Uh, using this machine, Menace deprogrammed various superhuman criminals who the squadron had subjected to the device and then admitted them to the squadron's own ranks. Once their former criminal tendencies were restored, these criminals then re- joined the Redeemers. Nighthawk, however, refused to use the behavior modification device to compel the other squadron members to do his bidding. Menace contended that Nighthawk was being foolishly idealistic and refused to join in the Redeemer's assault on the squadron headquarters. However, he promised that if the Redeemer's failed, then he would move against the squadron himself. And again, that came to a culmination in the the 12-issue squadron run. They kind of won, but it also was like one of those things was like, at what cost? Because it really decimated all these people, like... Uh, there was a lot of deaths and a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that happened that it kind of was like, oh, oh. yeah. And th- and I think it also came out that at some point that that was also that some people were using the behavior modification not to stop criminals, but to make people fall in love with them. So <laughs> that's when they kind of are like, okay, yeah, we're we're doing wrong here. Yeah. That's that's really it's really interesting. Uh, comics from the seventies are weird. Yeah. Uh I and it's like I I'd I'd love to go back and and actually read that but also I just know that it that those pages have a lot of words on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh although John Byrne uh, the little bit of John Byrne that I've read is is not as bad as like Chris Claremont. Hmm. Uh that's that's the that's the reason I haven't read a lot of uh <laughs> Alpha Flight is like Chris Claremont as good as good as this stuff is. It is so densely worded, and it is so like they spend half the issue talking about what happened in the issue before. And no matter what issue you start on, <laughs> it's like it's all uh, uh, Dirk Manning, who is a comic book creator that I that I uh, I follow pretty closely. But he he described. Uh, I don't know if he was specifically talking about that era of comics, but he he described a part- there are a lot of eras of comics where there's not a beginning, middle, and end to stories. It's just all middle, <laughs> and uh, and and I feel like I I kind of feel like seventies comics if, when I've when I've delved into them are uh, can be can be that kind of challenge. I kind of feel like the the previous on like. Like things that they started doing on Marvel for a lot of them was because of stuff like that. Like they wanted mm-hmm. wanted him to stop explaining it in the issue. Right, right, yeah. That's that's definitely. I, I think that I think that having a recap page is 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 very good for not. If they if they know that people, especially now, and I mean because it was also di- very different. If you might have just been picking up the issue in in isolation. Or mm-hmm. if you might have been picking up, uh, or if, or even if you just hadn't read an issue and didn't have, you know, you didn't have the internet or or whatever, uh, and a month had passed and you don't really totally remember everything. But it's just like if you're reading them as collected editions, it makes it very difficult to <laughs> to get through um, yeah. at times. Um, but you know whatever. But but it's it's just a shame that like there were there were some really good really interesting stories told at that, at that time that are just, that it, it would be hard to, that, that are hard to revisit. Um, I think it's fortunate. I mean, at very least we've got 20 years of comics 
that the, the, the comics for the last 20 years have been pretty easy to read. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, into the nineties, you get some stuff that's pretty verbose and then into the eighties, it's, it's even more so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, 70s stuff. Huh. <laughs> uh, the Redeemer succeeded in defeating the Squadron Supreme in battle, and the Squadron agreed to renounce its control of America and to undo many of the changes they had made in the nation. Soon afterward, Master Menace found himself working in alliance with the Squadron to combat the threat of the other-dimensional Nth Man. And I think that actually wiped out their Earth. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it, it, that dangling plotline is is what basically like is wiped the uh, seven one two out of the multiverse kind of thing. But again, that's just with way Marvel does things, it could have been brought back anytime. So, <laughs> right, 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 yeah. Which is fine. I yeah. I have no problem with I have no problem with with destroying the universe and then rebuilding the universe as long as you have a story about it. I mean. Uh, you know, they <laughs> most recently, like with the, with the secret, with the secret wars, wiping out all the, all the extra universes and then in mm. uh, wiping out the ultimate universe, uh, and bringing, bringing in miles Morales, the only salvageable part of that and saying, everything's going to be one universe. And then they're like, Oh wait, spider Gwen is popular. She gets her <laughs> own universe though. <laughs> um, that's you, you know I I have no problem with that like yeah. like the 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 multiversal gobbledygook like use it use it for your story as long as it's internally consistent within your story then do that uh, if you want to address the universe constantly getting blown up and tell a story about. PTSD or people going crazy because they're, you know, because they used to have a family and now they don't or whatever. Like yeah. if you have a, if you have a pitch for a good story of that, then tell that story. If, uh, if you want to just tell stories and pretend like we're in a relatively normal universe that just has superheroes in it, tell that story, mm-hmm. like whatever, just tell whatever story you want. I mean, continuity is, is as much as you want it to be or as little as you want it to be. Yeah. Um, so here's his stats is that he's six foot, two inches tall. He weighs 240 pounds. Eyes are blue and his hair is black. Uh, strength level without his battle suit. Master Menace possesses normal human strength of a man, his age, height, and build who engages in moderate, regular exercise. Master Menace's battle suit increases his strength to an unknown degree. Uh, he has no known super, superhuman powers, but he his other abilities, uh, it mentions Master Menace possesses the greatest known intellect on the Earth of the Squadron Supreme. His sole known rival in, the, in this area was the late Tom Thumb, whose genius may have surpassed his. Master Menace possesses tremendous expertise in numerous areas of science and has made significant advances in all of these areas. Uh, weapons and paranoia, well, his battlesuit. Master Menace wears a battlesuit that contains numerous miniaturized but highly powerful weapon systems. He can project bolts of consensus sets of force from his armored gloves and sound and surround his vial suit with a protective force field. Among his many inventions is his dimensional displacement protector, which can dispatch a person, a person to a limbo like dimension. So he basically is like science, Tony Stark <laughs> suited guy. Like he, he has a suit that he can basically say, do anything. And he can say, right. I scienced it to do that. Makes sense. And that's master menace. So he's, yeah. Yeah. Pretty good for a pretty obscure character. Yeah. 
I think uh, he seems he seems interesting. Squadron Supreme has been showing up a lot in the comics. Yeah, I, uh, I remember seeing a little bit about it. In, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they're I think they're a major player in this new Heroes Reborn event that the mm. has nothing to do with the old Heroes Reborn <laughs> event. Um, but uh, I think yeah, I think they're a major they're a major player in that. Uh, and so if that means that, then that means they're going to, that means probably an editorial thing, which probably means that if it's successful, they'll have a movie. Oh, that'd be kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, be funny if we had a squadron Supreme movie before we had a good (laughs) justice league movie. Oh God. (laughs) Uh, if you want to hear my take on the Snyder Cut, <laughs> listen to the pull list episode that just went up. Oh yeah. I I ranted about it for like 20 minutes. Like it was the most like I almost did I almost didn't even put it up cuz like I, it was the most like just generic nerd rage, but maybe people like generic nerd rage. I don't know. Well, you know, I I I think people have come and this is just because in in retrospect it is how it has ch- change like uh discourse on social media like the <laughs> like the angry guy you know the guy with the glasses and stuff like that it, it used to be that that was the only kind of like critiquing style you had on youtube and stuff mm-hmm. like that was like was angry nerds you know yeah. like it was it wasn't like they they brought up like you know critical points at times and stuff like that but it was a very in a very anti- antagonistic tone and that kind of colored things and I th- mm. I think there is a little bit of truth in it that now it still feels that people still feel that they need to be antagonistic on the internet. But at the same time it's like I I think it's not a very like it's still a type of a type of way of reviewing things that people still want or go for or try. So uh. so so it's not like it com- you know it completely drowned out everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, and I try on the pull list. I try to, I, I, on all my podcasts, cause they're all about media criticism, whether I like, whether I want them to be or not, I like them to be about celebrating the property primarily. And then if you have that foundation of being able to celebrate that, obviously I, ha- I am a fan of things. Then occasionally I can get mad about things. And, uh, or, or if I'm, or if it is something where, where I'm overly negative, I try to surround myself with people who are not as negative as me because <laughs> sometimes I can fall into that trap. And if you want to hear some of those things, where can we listen to those <laughs> yeah. podcasts? So yeah, Kendallcast.ninja. <laughs> uh, uh, I already mentioned, I actually mentioned the poll list on the last episode, but, uh, we've got, we've got the Kendallcast movie roundtable where, uh, me and uh, and some of my friends, uh, we take turns picking out a movie every month to to uh, to watch and have a have a discussion about. And then uh, the uh, I've I play I, I'm I'm involved with the Star Wars customizable card game from the '90s uh, that's been out of print for 20 years. And if you're <laughs> interested in that, I just recently posted an interview with one of the lead designers from. About from from about 1996 to about 1999, um, 
of of that of that of that game uh where we where we went super in detail on on mechanics and behind the scenes and uh if you have any interest in in Star Wars minutia you should listen to it uh kendallcast.ninja all right and as I said last uh, couple times, you can catch us on social media on Twitter or Instagram at Alphabet Flight, all one word. Uh, the Facebook group is called HodgePod Group. If although searching for Alphabet Flight or any of other Jesse's podcasts like Over Innsmouth or Creepy Critters will help. Will also probably direct you there. Uh, and of course, you can find our our uh, Alphabet Flight Patreon, which. As I said before, it's kind of more of a chip jar at the moment, but it, every little bit would help with uh, Jesse re- re- fixing up his computer. But, you know, do, times are tough, so, you know, do what you can. And may Conchu protect you in all your night travels. Goodbye. Goodbye.